0: Hello and welcome to Let's Get Psyched, a program that explores the controversial and challenging issues from a psychological and psychiatric perspective, as well as the implications for clinical practice. I'm your host, psychologist Dr. Aaron Parks of UCR's Counseling and Psychological Services. I'm joined by my co-host, child and adolescent psychiatry fellow, Dr. Tosha Yamaguchi. Hi, Tosha.
1: Hi, Dr. Parks.
0: Second year psychiatry resident at UCR, Dr. Edgar Ortega. Hi, Edgar. Hello, Dr. Parks and second-year psychiatry resident at UCR, Dr. Joshua Poole. Hi, Joshua.
2: How you doing, Dr. Parks?
0: The views expressed on Let's Get Psyched are those of the speaker. They do not represent UCR, UCR Counseling and Psychological Services, or UCR School of Medicine. Well, on today's show, this this is gonna be the shelter-in-place show, or or maybe uh, uh, next week's show also. Um, We've all been um, dealing with the response to the um, COVID-19 infection and virus and we're uh, going to make this the theme of this show about the impact of it in our own lives but also how it's impacting people that had had to quarantine, um, healthcare workers that are dealing with it. First, let me just kind of just go around the room. What is the biggest impact that this has had on you and um, how how are you coping with it? Um, who Who wants to go first?
1: I think personally, for me, the biggest impact has been not being able to see friends or family members in person. Um, staying at home, obviously. Um, like my parents were, I was seeing them pretty regularly, maybe like twice, once or twice a month for a little bit. And because of this, I just told them, you know, don't don't come down, stop visiting me. <laughs> don't yeah, you're not gonna, gonna your risk house. it, right? right? No, no.
0: And just by the way, if you if if uh, listeners out there, if you feel that this sounds a little bit strange, that's because it is. We're zooming <laughs> this uh, recording of Let's Get Psyched and um, we're sending our and we're we're going to mix it later. But it, that's why it might sound a little different to you. We're all at our home. We're, we're respecting the shelter in place um, order. Who, who wants to go next? Like w- Edgar, Joshua, how is what What has been the Edgar? What's what's been the biggest in, impact for you? So I'll say they're in two different
3: ways. I agree with Tosha, just being isolated, it's it's been different. I, You know, I'm recording right now here from downtown Riverside. I can see, you know, from the fourth floor, everything downstairs at the pedestrian mall, and it's just empty, it's different. So I spent last week, was my vacation week, and I couldn't go, you know, anywhere. I wanted to at least, I, c- I had to cancel my flight. I was supposed to go to Mexico uh, some state I was caliente just for some outdoor activities. I had to cancel that, which is fine, but I couldn't even go to see my my family, my mom and my siblings back home in Mexicali, or even go to Coachella to see my dad, because my grandpa, who's ninety something plus years old, is it's in there, so I had to spend it here, which I I feel I needed that, you know, just for my you know sake of my anxiety Mental mentality health. yes but at the same time it's just being here like i i see you know downstairs and it's empty it's, it's just very different and then the second one is at home uh, at work i'm at the addiction clinic in loma linda and things have changed very very fast like transitioning yes to see people to the computer but at the same time that has created some issues and logistic things because it, it was just a very fast change
0: so you're seeing uh uh, clients or patients with uh, teleconferencing, yes, but uh, Zoom Zoom meetings. It's uh, they call it VVC. It's their
3: VA hospital system oh, for the Veteran Affairs, right? It's the Veteran af- Affairs hospital, so they have their own system. But I think we started trying to transition into that like two or three weeks ago, and I think until this week, it's been like an easier transition to the point where you're seeing your patients at the time they're supposed to be versus half an hour later because you have troubles with the connection, the lines were saturated, the microphone is not working, or whatever it is.
0: Mm. Is it a better system than Zoom? Just curious. Um, I, I'll say it's pretty
3: It's pretty good. Um, I'm not sure in terms of Zoom. Let me try to compare it. Uh, video quality, it's probably not the best. because we still use regular cameras, but the audio is pretty pretty good, and it's encrypted, right? So because it's like uh, like any medical record, or anything with the hospital record
0: system. And Joshua, how have you been affected the most? Um,
2: <clears throat> it's been pretty difficult, actually. So um, a couple of weeks back, I came down with some symptoms that were mostly like uh, started with a sore throat, but then it ended up kind of converting into this pretty nasty cough I haven't had a cough this bad before um, mm. and I was afebrile I mean with no fever most of the time but it was sort of the earlier stages of the lockdown so people didn't really know <clears throat> quite what we should be doing uh, I went and got tested at one of the earlier testing sites uh, with the nasopharyngeal really? swab
0: wow. oh yeah it was all the way down into your nose How comfortable it is was that?
2: horrendous that oh, I felt like I was lobotomized like <laughs> they went up so far oh my god and you feel gosh. like you should be bleeding because of how far they go in and they have to hold it in there <gasps> and rub it around so I'm wow. I'm feeling sick and then I have to Gross. go through a drive-through in Lake Elsinore where they they take a swab of my nose that is just it's just awful they don't so, your li- how like quickly did you get your results back? would they do that swab? nope you just, you roll down your window and then they, they go for the kill. So <laughs> hopefully these new ones though, uh, they might be able to get around some of like the deep nasopharyngeal stuff. Um, and then now the VA has like a, a rapid test. The Long Beach VA has like a one hour turnaround test. Whereas this one, they told me oh, eight, wow. eight to 10 days. Thankfully oh. they got oh, it back wow. in three. Oh, but cool. I had to stay at home the whole week. Um, so were you positive or negative? So what was the result? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Drumroll, please. It was negative. However, this is one of those tests that the sensitivity is like 60 to 70%. So there's like a one in three chance that it's a false negative. So my actual clinical suspicion that I had it is very high. uh, Partly because the symptoms I ended up developing. And then I ended up losing my sense of smell and taste, which a lot of people are reporting is one of those things they found. Wow. So I'm pretty sure my fiancé and I both had it.
0: Oh, my gosh. Oh. But you had a, a mild form. Now, I heard that um, it depended on your your virus load. Like if you were sitting next to someone that had it and they were just coughing and breathing and you just braved them like for a half an hour trip, you would get it pretty severely. But people that just had a very slow viral load of it they had mild symptoms have you heard about that
2: i have heard about that and i'm, I'm not too sure what the verdict is it's it's getting pretty difficult speculation yeah, yeah to kind of see what the consensus is in a lot of things and i think there's a lot of misinformation that's just swirling out there
0: yeah we and we want to make sure that we provide some uh, the most up-to-date accurate information on this show now i know the last show that we did on covid like it, it seems like a long time ago, but it was. About, I guess it was about a month mm-hmm. ago or so. It feels like a long time ago. I remember ago. we were talking about the preparation and there was a little bit of a, uh, maybe perhaps and maybe a little bit of an overreaction with buying, thing, buying things like toilet paper and things. And I I remember I said, we were talking about, we are kind of talking about earthquake preparedness too and I was talking about buying water and I, it, so, it sort of sounded like I was implying that you should buy water to be prepared for um, this virus and shelter in place. but you don't need to be b- buy water. I just want to make sure that everyone knows that. Okay. Water's not necessary. <laughs> you, you can get you have lots of water to the faucet basically. <laughs> but uh, I just want to clear that up. But if we, we want to provide the most accurate information possible. So you know, so Joshua, you said that there's a, a quicker test that is being developed and there's that's going to be available. There's a
2: quicker one becoming available. Uh, to, my, to my knowledge, at the Long Beach VA, there was only like two sites in, a, in America, or two VAs in America, that got these new Roche tests. And they have like 96, oh, wow. 96 wells that they can run at the same time. And they can get you a result in as from one to four hours. I think oh, wow. they're trying to roll out quicker and quicker tests because it's greatly impacting like where people go in the hospital, whether or not they should go to oh, an yeah. isolation versus um, a standard unit.
1: Totally.
0: Now, do you know if that test also tests for antibodies? It does not. Had it? it does okay. not.
2: So the serological tests, I guess, are soon to come. Um, my hope is to get the IgM test to see if I have immunity at some point. Um, hopefully, they'll get that soon. Because if to date there's there's not a lot of evidence to suggest that you can be re- reinfected. Uh, this is based on simian
0: studies, so I'm not entirely sure. Uh, if that'll change at some point in the future. But Yeah, that's one of the things that's really frustrating about this is that um you know, we just don't know a lot about it and there's a lot of speculation. <clears> and that's one of them that, you know, can you get reinfected? I guess there's yeah. been some reemergence and they're not sure if if people are getting it a second time.
2: It's hard it's hard to know. I think there's there's differing opinions right now. Um from one of the studies they did, it was on it might have been macaques, chimpanzees? They showed no evidence of reinfection. Uh, and so that's what they're trying to base that on. Now, people are. The thing that can be like kind of confounding that in, with people is a lot of people have a course of this illness where they have very mild syndo- symptoms and then they drop and then they have a resurgence of very uh, severe symptoms. Now, that mm-hmm. could look like reinfection if you didn't know, it. you know? Plus, it. if you're doing the testing with the original test, that's like. 60 to 70 percent accurate or excuse me sensitive then you know the chances that you had a false negative and then retested um, that showed a positive would would look like reinfection but it's possible you were infected the whole time
0: now what are you seeing as far as your clients or your patients um, the impact that this is having does anyone want to tear into that one
1: Actually, with my patients, so I'm seeing kids and teenagers. um, A lot of the patients that I've had who come in and complain about their parents are actually coming in and saying that they're getting along Uh because they're basically forced to um, spend time together. uh, So they're, you know, (laughs) kind (laughs) of like that's all the social (laughs) communication they have. So I guess, you know, they're repairing their relationships. And um, yeah, I've had patients tell me that this has been. Uh, that's had a positive impact on their relationship with their parents. Um, I've talked to parents who are at their wits end dealing with their kid with ADHD (laughs) or, you know, that sort of thing. Um, And yeah, so I've had a range, a range of responses. But I think in the hospitals, um, what I've heard is that it's, it's in our psychiatric hospitals is what I'm talking about. It's pretty serious in terms of the isolation units because they're not allowed to have interaction with um, other other patients on the unit. They're not allowed to go outside. They're really like they just have to stay in their room, which can be really triggering for acute patients. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm I'm worried about those those patients in the hospitals. Oh yeah, I right know. And it's
2: and it's wow. super difficult. Like I'm on an inpatient psychiatric unit right now super difficult to tell someone who is floridly psychotic hey can you put a mask on and keep six feet away from other people
1: right
2: they they, they don't listen if you can imagine <laughs> wow right so it's just it's clearing up on the units it's just getting everybody on one of the units at the hospital
0: yeah I mean when I'm I, I see students okay um, university students and there's been a mixture of um, Overall, I mean, this is going to sound odd, but overall, um, the folks that had um, uh, suicidal thinking, they don't have it anymore. Hmm. Okay, I'm just going to say that. But now, it doesn't mean that they're not having elevated anxiety and depression. So a few of them did um, have that. But they, you know, so far, um, the folks that have been reporting some suicidal ideation have said that they um, are not experiencing that now. But I, you know, it's a mixture of, of folks that. Um, I, I've,
1: anecdotally, some of my patients are the opposite.
3: More oh, suicidal. Wow. They're more suicidal. More suicidal. Yeah. Oh, yeah. man. And I think that could be right now, but we will see what happens after that with the suicide rate increasing or not
0: after, you know, with the financial part and, and all the things as well. Yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah, right. Unemployment could right. cause that. Um, just being, set, you know, separation. Um, you, you know, just people of relatives dying, yes. their, their mom or their grandma right. or, you know, their you. I
3: can give you some statistics, and this is based on, like, recent surveys. One of them is by the Kaiser Family Foundation. That was done on March twenty-five to the 30th. Uh, I don't have the number of responders, but it was probably, in you know, the thousands, low thousands. And then the APA, the American Psychiatric Association, they also did a survey. So, and this is what I've seen in my clinic. They found that almost half of the people are, like, 48% of the sh- people who they surveyed are having anxiety about getting the disease. 40% of those think that they might actually get it seriously and might die. And 62% are concerned about the families or loved ones getting it. Other things that they also uh, mentioned in terms of mental health is that 90% of people who they survey um, are having more issues with sleeping due to the probably anxiety and concerns about this coronavirus pandemic. More, 8, 8% more are using alcohol or drugs as a coping mechanism, which is a negative coping mechanism. And and this will be for another time. Twelve percent of people who be due to this social distancing, isolation, spending more time with your loved ones, twelve percent more are reporting fighting with with that significant other. Interesting. Yes, and that's just because now everything is changed. You are working from home which is new for you. You're spending all day with that other person when it was before you had your routine in the morning, and now you have it to adapt You know, very quick to be doing everything from home. You can go out. Yes, you might take takeout food, but other than that, there's not much else to do, right? Right.
1: You know, it's interesting what you said about sleep because I was just on um, a website that I go to occasionally called Brit.co and every article on published on Brit.co in the recent weeks has been on sleep. Like every wow. single article. Okay. Mm. Yeah. Yeah.
3: What did
2: they I, I think find? it's a huge
1: problem right it now. Is. To piggy- no, it's just like how to deal with um disturbed sleep patterns okay. during coronavirus quarantine Got and it. like article after article on the on tips, sleeping tips basically. And
3: and then I guess the other thing is is if you're spending most of your time at home, are you also out of your sleep cycle and taking naps every day, you know, all day, every day? Besides the definitely. anxiety. Does that make sense? So yeah, just definitely. to throw it out there. And 24%, I forget to say, having, are having difficulty concentrating at home. Whether if it's working from home, whether if it's whatever you're doing. Mm-hmm. Nineteen What percent was it. that again? 24%.
0: <laughs> okay, so I add me to that. Um, yeah, no, I, <laughs> was asked to, um, to <laughs> I was asked to not go to work like two weeks ago, and it's been very difficult to concentrate and focus. I feel like I'm less productive. I feel like I'm back in grad school. Actually, where it's just all just me just doing things on my own, because <laughs> you know we we weren't ready as you were, um, Edgar, to for this uh, video conferencing. We we didn't have a system, so we did tons of training for it though, and just tons tons of uh, just continuing ed training and things like that, and preparing for this. And uh, it was hard to focus. But uh, did did any of you experience that? Or
2: you know, I I had the opposite problem where I was uh, on quarantine when i was awaiting the results of my test like i couldn't go anywhere and it was i just i've recently moved to a, a much smaller apartment so i couldn't even pace properly <laughs> but one of the things i found is that i exhausted all of the uh, stuff that i normally do to the point where it was like all right i have to i have to do something now so i picked up projects that i've been meaning to uh, put more time st- more time towards and it would actually help me get back in the swing of like getting my projects done so i I don't know yeah. i kind of enjoyed that Although, yeah, i'm definitely. so
1: appreciative right now of the online classes that are being offered for free
2: yeah i'm grateful to those have those are great been able to go back to work though i was going crazy extroverts are are struggling mm. yeah
0: yeah there's a mixture of people <clears throat> that are extremely lonely because they can't um, meet with their family or talk to their family because they're and, but also they're they have a lot of time with whoever they're living with yeah, yeah. and I'll, you know honestly I feel almost more connected with my community as I go walk outside everyone's walking outside they can't go to their gym there's not a lot to do uh, people are at home and I see tons of people you know with, with babies you know strollers and, and dogs walking and things like that so yeah, yeah there's that yeah well what's your big tips uh, for helping folks like um, for staying resilient for coping with this amount of anxiety? Because, yeah, I agree. I, almost every single client I have has added anxiety from this. So what, what are some of uh, – does anyone want to um, talk about d- way, strategies to cope with this? It, definitely not alcohol because, yes, that for sure that's going up. Purchase of alcohol <laughs> you drinking know, is going up. I don't,
2: I'm don't. i not going to encourage it by any means, but I did want to piggyback off of one thing that uh, Edgar said was, I hear tell – can't disclose my – my sources, that uh, cannabis sales skyrocketed. <laughs> oh, wow. Once the quarantine happened because people, you know, they can't go I anywhere. I was thinking so they about just
1: that, yeah.
2: Sit it and get high, I guess. Which I imagine would make pizza sales go much higher. Pizza yeah, or fast yeah, you're, food. It's uh, basically right? <laughs> a setup, right? Is yeah, that, You're encouraged to order. I think you're encouraged this to is order like, food, to bring it in. Is this considered racketeering? Like, do you think <laughs> fast food restaurants are in cahoots with with cannabis, <laughs> all right, uh, model. Um,
0: yeah. <laughs> so if, you, if you're just joining us, uh, this is Let's Get Psyched on KUCR, and we're talking about the impact of COVID-19 and the response to it, <clears throat> um, shelter in place, what we're seeing with our clients, our patients, um, and tips and strategies now for dealing with it and managing it, just um, your own, your own personal strategies, what you're doing, but also what you're recommending to your clients. Any, Personally, any... I've
1: started studying for my board's exam, which is coming in the fall. I'm, I'm starting a little early, but, I, you know, what the heck.
2: Yeah, you got
3: time. Oh, That's good. I'll say three things that I can recommend based on what I was reading. Uh, Hit one, us with them. One, number one is take care of yourself. That means anything from eating healthy. Find some sort of exercising, which is kind of like what you were saying, Dr. Parks. Maybe gyms are not open, but you can... Either do what Josh is doing, pacing in his little room, or,
0: <laughs> or, or go out. Is it really that little? It's, it like really a, that it's
3: like a hamster. <laughs> yeah, Have you ever seen him just dart back and forth in a cage? No. Yeah. Uh, okay, well. I guess, I'm sorry. I keep guess, going. Sorry. I get to saying in general, yes. Um, exercise, if you can go for a walk, do those things. Make sure you're safe, though, not too mm. crowded places. Um, sleep more or sleep better, at least enough. Uh, eat healthy and find ways, you know that how you relieve that stress. What if it's reading, Tosh is studying for his board, for her boards, all the things, that would be number one. Others, if you can help other people, there's a lot of now sense of community, new upcoming or other just uh, associations who are either donating masks or donating different things or time, of course, mostly from home, because that, that's been shown that when you actually help others it reduces the stress on you and the last one i can say is yes we all want to know um what's going on in the media how many new cases are today in the u.s how many new fatalities etc but also be mindful of the news that you consume every day because if you're getting hit with negative you know uh just news every day about debts and just a negative impact that that might have on you Unconsciously, it's, it could be pretty severe and debilitating. So what most people say, yes, maybe stick to one or a few sources that are, you know, uh, had a good reputation and, and get your news, but don't overdo it. Don't spend all your time, even on social media, trying to see what's the new update.
2: Yeah, maybe set a time limit even. Right. Yes.
0: Yeah, I definitely yeah. feel like I'm drawn to the news to get the latest, the latest um, researcher findings or results from you know as far as the number of infections mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. I mean
3: I, don't get me wrong I do that every morning I probably play like NPR news get my 5 minute update and maybe through the day but just don't do it like all day and from all sources cuz then there's a lot of misinformation as well and then yeah. if you if you get out bombarded with negative you know news every day all day and some of those are misleading then I- your anxiety is just going to skyrocket as well. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. There's a lot of conspiracy yeah, I, I theories agree. going around, too.
1: Conspiracy theories? Oh, there's
2: tons. People are just, like, coming up with all kinds of stuff. Like, which ones? Nice. Oh, man. There's, like, some people claiming that this
0: is linked to Now, before we talk 5G. about these things, remember... These are just conspiracy theories. These are We're conspiracy not advocating theories. Advocating them or saying that they're you know, before before Go we ahead. begin, let
2: everybody <laughs> put on our tinfoil caps so that we could better receive. Let's just be the a conspiracy
0: skeptical of these things. Right, right, right. Uh, I don't so know. What have you? They're they're
2: wacky. They're like com- they're like saying maybe it has something to do with 5G in China or that this was orchestrated somehow. Both sides of the political spectrum seem to think that that's a thing. I don't I don't I don't know. I think it comes from people who don't understand epidemiology very well or maybe infectious disease and how little this could have been. I don't want to say uh, predicted, like when it started, it was difficult to kind of know what was going on. And as 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 we were talking about earlier, it's it's difficult still to know, like, what's the best information about Mm -hmm. what's going on. Mm Now obviously, this could have been reduced with earlier social distancing and uh, hand washing and the like, but I mean the idea that this was an orchestration can, is i think it's pretty harmful and that gets passed around a lot
0: yeah, and that was actually pushed early on by a few in the government in the uh, as far as saying this was some sort of created thing from uh, you know China and the um because there's there's some sort of lab in Wuhan province and things like mm-hmm. that. That was actually pushed by a few in government elected officials.
2: I found myself kind of buying in for a second. I was like, "Wait, is this is this a thing?" You know, because you didn't. It was early on. I didn't think to have my uh, what's that filter on.
0: You know, being skepti- not being sufficiently skeptical. Of things. Right. I guess yeah. I guess that we do have to be really skeptical. Even like you know, the the president is talking currently about um, hydroxychloroquine and um some of the evidence that's coming out but that's part of uh w- how you want to look at things you want to be, be very skeptical and, and you know wait for the evidence to come out um yeah. let's talk a little bit about um the impact on healthcare care workers mm-hmm. um and especially as you know they, everyone's uh, you know i have i have two my two of my kids are nurses and so um were they're, wor- they're working a great deal and um one's an icu nurse so um, they're asking a lot of overtime oh, wow. for him. Oh, wow. Yeah, so now he is going to get a lot of, uh, of, of very stressful experiences adding up repetitively. And they've actually uh, studied this. And so, um, you know, what, uh, I, I'm reading from a study, it's from Emerging Infectious Diseases. Uh, and then they studied, they found that the nurses, the healthcare workers that were most resilient, did tend to have more experience. And they had the perception that they had they were given adequate training had sufficient moral support and this is really interesting they were given sufficient protection associated right. with <laughs> of treating the there virus it is. there it is that's the that's the kicker so that do, do you feel like because on some of these things you know especially the protection one we're going to have a lot of, of healthcare workers that are going to have some traumatic reactions
2: yeah, I mean, there's, there's already been infighting at, at least some of our sites about who's getting the protection. It's like sometimes physicians are asking, can we have a mask? And they're not being very readily handed.
0: Yeah, and, and as far as like preventing it, the patient to nurse ratio was very important. Um, and, and having a good nurse autonomy and flexibility and control, that, this is particularly for nurses, and, and ha- feeling empowered. Mm. Those are the and, and just targeting the people that have less experience and helping them a little bit more, which, you know, it kind of sounds like they're enlisting a lot of folks that are maybe not even ready to um, to dive into this because there's such a shortage and mm. the need for nurses.
2: I, I kind of wanted to ask you guys, when when personally did it hit home for you? Like, oh, this is a really serious thing.
0: Oh, That's a good question. Yeah. When, well, for, well, for me, it was um, when I heard um, uh, the the impact on older people, because mm-hmm. I immediately thought about my parents. My parents are in their 90s and um, their health is OK. My, my mom's health is OK. My dad's health is a little um, is not very good. And so. I immediately thought well they're very uh at um, at risk they're very much at risk and they like to go out to eat every every day they go out to eat and things like that and so they're going to be really affected I felt like mm-hmm. when I saw mm-hmm. that that it it's very lethal to to the older you get that's what that's at least that's the the um the the research so far then that made it that made it very real and mm-hmm. and, and it starts at 50 and I I'm, I'm over 50 I'm 53 so that that means that wow. Makes it real
2: wow Okay wow
0: <clears throat> How, me, about How about you? I
1: think about? for me It was when I learned more about coronavirus itself, like how infectious it is and then how severe of an illness it can cause in people. I think that's when it hit home for me.
3: I think for me, it was probably either the first or second week of March that I was working at the psychiatric emergency room. And I remember... There was still, like, I had a patient who just came in, but I know that she, of course, was psychotic, saying that she had coronavirus, and that's what she was suicidal. And she just named a bunch of symptoms that were maybe unrelated, like diarrhea, feeling like, like she had fevers, and all the things. So if you put the medical perspective together, it didn't make sense, but we didn't know much at the same time. And I even consulted, like, the internist to see if she needed to be transferred, etc. cetera. So no, nothing happened. And the next day... Uh, that's when all of these things started to change. Um, so if, and just thinking on that, meaning change, like they were started to allow screening patients outside, they now have a screening questionnaire and taking the temperature for people. So if, and just kind of reflecting back, if, if I had had that, those recommendations the day before, whether my patient had it or not, she probably just would have sent to the medical center to be at least clear. And just seeing how that changed from one day to the other you know, it just kind of mm-hmm. like opened my eyes. It's like, wow, like this is, it, I don't know what's just gonna go, and this is like, you're significant. So,
1: as physicians, we're getting emails every day, multiple emails every day, yeah. about what the status is of coronavirus in our county, which probably you know, now that I'm thinking about it, you guys, you guys don't get like. Dr. Parks, do you get that? Nope. From Riverside County? Yeah. yeah. So from our medical system, we're getting multiple emails a day about like, this is the new policy on coronavirus. This is a new policy on screening. This is what you do when you send a patient over to the main campus, yada, yada, yada.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow, it's constantly changing and adding.
1: Constantly changing. It's stressful, honestly.
3: Imagine that you are in the front lines, you're an emergency room doctor, and you still have to keep up, not only with deciding, you know, who gets intubated or not, or if you're in, like, New York, but now you have to read your emails, which you get bombarded with this, you know, notification. I
1: just, I feel like it adds to this feeling of being, like, in quicksand. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like, the ground is never... Uh, Still, right. it's always shifting.
0: No, that's a good. That's a good analogy. And we don't know if we're at the the worst of it. I, it we we don't seem to be at the worst of it yet. That's also very anxiety provoking.
2: I, I yes. think for me it was when I heard the case of the twenty seven year old. I think on the east coast that had no pre existing conditions and died. And I thought, mm. oh my Ooh. god, that's like yeah. I'm right. twenty seven. Ooh, that yeah. Can <laughs> I can I get that? I'm i feel like a robust, healthy individual, but. Apparently, it doesn't matter. And then there's some statistics out there that I guess nobody's, like, really firm on the number right now. But, I mean, the chance of once you get put on a ventilator, what are the chances coming off? Oh, boy. And they're dire, which is frightening.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm... Go ahead.
3: No, I'm just going to add to... I don't know the number either, but from what I heard at that point getting... Intubated, put in a ventilator. It's more, it's what we call a supportive treatment. Make, basically, the machine is making you breathe for you. It's breathing for you, but then at that point, it's, it's very severe. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's heard... serious. You're in serious shape when you get a ventilator. I don't think many people, other than you guys, you know, and, and other doctors recognize that. People have experienced it before.
2: I've heard from 50% to 20% survival. Oh, wow. So, wow. I mean, those are uncorroborated, though. So.
0: Now, we're kind of at the end here, but, I, you know, I also looked at some research showing that even the people that have survived this the coronavirus, they, they live with symptoms,
1: you symptoms know, of
0: anxiety and being yeah. fearful and this negative and it's a traumatic reaction. And the families of survivors also mm-hmm. ha- have right. higher levels of having a traumatic reaction, yeah. depression, memory loss, impaired concentration, some suicides. So this is, a, this is, this is uh, a lot. This is gonna be a, a severe negative impact on our country and, and around the world. And,
3: and that trauma, it's gonna be in many ways, I believe. One could be like what we're just talking to frontline workers who are seeing people dying in front of them and they have to take really hard decisions. That's gonna be really traumatic for right, them. Right. It's gonna be traumatic for the people who are staying at home, but not doing anything, just basically looking how they lose their jobs away and how this is still, you know, climbing. And if I think this happens in 2003 with the other SARS epidemic, I, I think that some surveys demonstrated that it were 29% uh, of the people who were exposed to they developed like some sort of traumatic stress.
0: Right. Yeah. No, I think th- this, uh, this has uh, so many implications, so many ripples of um, rippling effect of, of all the negative impact. All right, and that's all the time we have for this edition of Let's Get Psyched. Um, Thank you for joining us today. We talked about the response to COVID-19 and how it's affecting our practice and also individually. Thank you to our co hosts Dr. Toshi Yamaguchi, Dr. Edgar Ortega, Dr. Joshua Poole, if you have comments, questions, or suggestions for the show, you can write us at Get Psyched on kucr at gmail.com. That's Get Psyched on kucr at gmail.com. And you can catch all of our shows on anchor.com, Spotify, or Apple Music, or any uh, whatever platform that you use. Let's Get Psyched uh, has been produced by Elliot Fong, so special thanks to him. This episode was recorded in the studios of KUCR on the campus of the University of California, Riverside. I've been your host, psychologist Dr. Aaron Parks. Tune in next week for another edition of Let's Get Psyched.
1: Not in the studio, at home.